Where did the truth go and hide in politics? Well, it's time to find it and bring it back. Welcome to No Truth Politics, where you know truth or you have no truth. I'm your host, Mr. Misunderstood, and I'll be having the distinct privilege and honor of helping you rip the Band-Aid off when it comes to all things truth in politics today. As always, to stay up to date with all things No Truth Politics, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. To help support us here financially, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once you're on the website, click on support. Well, without further ado, Buckle up and get ready because it's time to rip the Band-Aid off so the truth can set you free. Welcome to the program. We've got a big one lined up for you here. This one its going to be fantastic. We're going to start it off with some hot takes and... Uh, some subject matter that's going to be getting right to the heart of what's going on in our country today. RNC chair election this past week. So we're going to dive into what all that entails or entailed past tense. And we're going to take a look at uh, Charlie Kirk's hot take. He's got a few, a list of a few items here as to what his takeaways are or were from the election. So we're going to, we're going to dive into that head first. And then we're going to dive into whether or not there's gain-of-function research being conducted in the USA. And then we're going to take uh, uh, the uh, hot take on the Tyree Nichols situation of what uh, went down in Memphis with between that, uh, that man and the five police officers that ended up uh, leading to his unfortunate and untimely uh deceased state of being unfortunately and so uh utter tragedy just a complete and utter avoidable tragedy by the looks of it in the footage that has been shown thus far again facts still to come as that all comes to light and you just don't want to see tragedies like that taking place so um we're going to dive into that hot take david DePappy and paul pelosi the footage was released from the night of that event. And so we're going to dive into what all that looks like for you. And then this one really just floors me to the utmost. Six-year-old shoots his teacher. So what does that mean? Six, six years old, crazy. But we're going to dive into that story, that headline of the day, and so much more here on the program. So we're just going to get right into it and we're just going to dive headfirst into talking about the RNC chair election and my hot take on what all this means. You got Ronna McDan McDaniel and she wins another term in landslide fashion, mind you. It was like, let's see here, 111, uh, Harmeet Dillon had 51 votes. Mike Lundell had four votes and apparently Lee Zeldin even snagged a vote. So I just can't 
comprehend how on earth Harmeet Dillon number A didn't win, but B, how Ronna McDaniel McDaniel, how did these committee members justify voting for her again? You've got a every two years they vote this woman in for the last four cycles now because she won. So this would be she's heading into her fourth term, and apparently she says it's her last. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, but you have this woman, Ronna McDaniel, and she has no ability to win. She's mediocre, and that's an understatement. So how on earth do you keep voting in this Ronna McDaniel woman over and over and over again, doing the same thing repeatedly, expecting different results? Oh, but she fundraises. Oh, but she does. Yeah, but she also mismanages money. And has a lot of donors up in arms and saying that they're not going to donate to the Republican Party because the last time they did, the money was misspent and spent on frivolous things that don't mean anything. That don't go, that didn't go to what it should have gone to, which is, uh, I don't know, getting votes, getting Republicans out to, to do the voting, getting poll watchers, getting all these people that are of importance to the process of election integrity and voting. And I mean, little sidebar here. How do Democrats have the, the whole thing down pat as far as um, ballot? I wouldn't say just getting people out to vote, getting the ballots, the early, the early voting, the early balloting, the mail-in ballots. How do they have all this mastered? And we're just like uh, 10 steps behind. We're getting eviscerated when it comes to early voting, when it comes to um, early voting and mail-in voting. We're getting eviscerated. We're getting absolutely annihilated and it's unacceptable you have to realize that early voting is here to stay and so too is mail-in voting so now that you know that you understand that what can we do as a party if i'm the republican party i'd be asking myself what can we do as a republican party everybody all in to catch up and get ahead of what the democrats are doing come 2024 because if they don't if this doesn't get figured out real quick it's going to get really ugly really fast and it ain't going to get better it's going to be landslide victories for the democrats over and over and over again we're going to be beating a dead horse over this thing and it's just going to be the same old same old nothing will change inflation will be here to stay you'll be paying seven eight bucks for a carton of eggs and you'll be having people like me wanting to make mecca hats, you know, make eggs cheap again. You know, I'm just being straight up with you. This is, you know, serious, but joking. But like, what are we doing here? We're like banging our head against the wall here. Not not doing anything, not getting any kind of results, not figuring our lives out to figure out how we could become better voters, better, a better party, a better everything. We're getting annihilated in so many different ways over and over again. You have highest inflation in decades. You have a president that's not there. You know, the mall is open, but ain't nobody in there shopping. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not trying to bash the guy, but he's not mentally competent to to fulfill the roles of being the president of the United States. He's just not. Let's just call a spade a spade. Again, the mall's open, but ain't nobody in there shopping. So that's the choice that the Democrats throw up there and they still pull away with the midterms and even gain what a seat or two in the Senate. 
And yeah, they lost the House, but not by nearly as much as they should have. And they, we don't have the White House or the Republican Party doesn't have the White House. So what are we doing voting this woman in, Ronna McDaniel, over and over and over again, and we're getting no results? This is the third election cycle, this most recent one, the midterms, that she's lost something. She lost the Senate full right this time. She lost the White House last go of it, and she lost the House to go of it before that. So what does she have to hold her hat on to say, hey, I deserve a fourth term. Absolutely nothing. Yet you got 111 people in a blind vote that say, hey, we're going to back this horse. Into what? She, This horse ain't winning nothing. This horse done lived its life. And so we need to start gutting it like a fish and make the changes now so that we can have a shot in 2024. Because the, the path we're headed on, we ain't got a shot. Unless something changes and it starts at the top. The old saying goes, poop rolls downhill, right? Okay, well, if it rolls downhill, what are we doing to make the changes we need to make to be a successful party that's united and trying to divide the Democrats and eliminate them from having any kind of power over this nation, over people, over states? We're losing state legislatures. We're losing governor mansions. Uh, governor's mansions. We're losing a lot of stuff to the Democrats here, political seats. And it's like, when are we going to wake up and realize, hey, something ain't going on right here right now. We need to take a step back and figure out maybe this uh, Ronna McDaniel isn't a good enough uh, candidate. Maybe she's, you know, not cutting cheese. Maybe it's time to throw somebody else's hat in the ring. And I really would have backed Harmeet Dillon. I think that woman's legit. I think she's got her good a good head on her shoulders. She knows she has a great plan of action she wants to take. I mean, for her to say that she wants to get the Republican Party headquarters out of DC, good for her. D- DC's a swamp. What do you want? What do you want the Republican Party's head body to be in that place for? It's just it's toxic. It's a toxic and sick environment. And you shouldn't want anything to do with it. And so I I just think that she should absolutely have gotten that place up out of there beyond a shadow of a doubt and so it's just crazy to me but let's i touched on this point just a couple of a few minutes ago so she claims ronna mcdaniel claims that this is going to be her last go of it okay now if you're an if you're going to analyze that you're going to look at it and go okay well she obviously realizes that her back's up against the wall. She barely snuck this one out. She obviously, I don't know, maybe she bought the votes. I have no idea. I just don't understand how you get 111 votes. It doesn't make any sense to me. People can't be that foolish. It just, I don't know. Something ain't right. Something smelling fishy. And so she wins, but it's like she understands that, oh man, the writing's on the wall. I think my time's up, so I better call it quits and say this is my last time before I get fired quote unquote, by a political upheaval. And so usually nine times, 9.9 times out of 10, when you're saying this is going to be the last goal of it, it's because you you see the writing on the wall. You just know that it's best for you to get out before you get eliminated. You eliminate yourself before you get eliminated. And so I think that's what she's doing here because she realizes her time's up and somebody else needs to step up to the plate and take the thing over and do a better job. And I wholeheartedly agree. I think she's terrible. I'm just going to flat out say it. We're all thinking it. 
I mean, the majority's got to be. She doesn't understand or relate to or care about the grassroots of the party, of the base, which is a big portion, if not the portion of the base that she's neglecting, not caring about, so on and so forth. And what for? Why? So let's take a deep dive in here. I said I was going to mention what Charlie Kirk's hot take was in regards to all of this and what he saw because he was there live. And so I guess it was in Orange County and he was there. So I'm just going to read this and then we're going to break it down. So I'm going to read a little snippet of it and then we're going to break it down. So here we go. Charlie Kirk's hot take. He said, I learned so much being at the RNC today. Number one, there are some amazing members that truly love the grassroots. 55 of them, the ones that voted for Harmy Dillon, that listen to you and care about you and what you think. They are passionate, lovely people who want their country back. They are wonderful. So let's just let's just stop right there for a moment. So he's saying basically there are 55 people that care, that voted for Harmeet Dillon, that care about the grassroots, that care about you and what you think, and that are passionate, lovely people who just want their country back and they're wonderful. So in a nutshell, he's saying there's hope, that things are stirring, the pots are moving, things are moving and shaking, and it's, it's looking like there's some hope. So, you know, praise God. Now, the second point he made was there is a small group of the 111, likely 10 to 12 people that are just scared. Scared of what? Scared of what? Like, grow up, grow up, handle your business, and let's, let's get to work. So then he continued on. They don't know how to move forward, but are terrified of changing the status quo. Well, they need to change the status quo. Ain't nothing to be terrified of. Do it. Get some gumptions, man, and do it. So they've, and then he continued on here. They voted for Rana for continuity, not chaos. Well, continuity or mediocrity. You could interchange those words very easily. And I'm going to do it. It's the word you're looking for isn't continuity. It is, quote, mediocrity. That's just my hot take. And uh, so he said, that's what the somebody said, a weak argument based on fear, not vision. Absolutely. You got to have vision, not living your life based on fear. If you're living your life based on fear, you shouldn't have voting power. It's ridiculous. Come on. Number three, Charlie Kirk went on to say, number three, the largest slice of the RNC pie is filled with people who have a deep seated contempt for the base energy of the party. Several told me to my face, he said, that they are annoyed by the grassroots and their quote emails, end quote, that quote bother them, end quote. So you're tired of the grassroots emailing you because they quote bother you. Then you're in the wrong line of work. I'll repeat, you're in the wrong line of work. Get out. You don't belong. You need to be able to understand that you don't work for yourself. You don't work for your own interests, your own gains. You work for we the people. So get that through your thick skull and grow some gumptions and open some emails and let them bother you in a good and godly way and rise up and stand up for something. Stand up against Ron and McDaniel and vote for righteousness. Vote uh, vote for, uh, what's her name? Harmeet Dillon. What a phenomenal woman. Like, how are we not voting that woman as the RNC chair? 55 votes to 111? 
She got whipped in a landslide. And how? Ronnie McDaniel has destroyed any chance of hope. It's mediocrity in the party right now. I don't have hope in it. I'm sorry. I'm calling a spade a spade here. So, you know, I have hope in Jesus. He's in control ultimately. But as far as the party goes, what is it? It's just about money and special interests and, and filling, fulfilling and satisfying your own agenda at this point. Let's just call it what it is. So then he went on to say, number four, they told me November was a raging success, quote unquote, a raging success. Let's just halt the brakes. How was what happened in November a raging success? And then he says, quote, historically good, end quote, is what they told him. So not only a raging success in their eyes, but historically good. How? Historically good for who? The Democrats? Absolutely. I would agree with that. A raging success for the Democrats? Absolutely would agree with that as well. But for the Republican Party, maybe in Florida, a raging success. Maybe J.D. Vance taking Ohio's Senate seat, a raging success. And I wouldn't even say that was raging. I think it was closer than it should have been. So what is the raging success they're talking about? Please come and talk to me. You come on this podcast and I will happily interview you and we will sit down and break down what a raging success was about what took place in November and how it was historically good and to for whom. Because it wasn't the Republican Party, I'll tell you that. Then he went on to continue here. They told me the party needs fewer people who watch Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, and the Charlie Kirk podcast, and more people who read the newspaper. So basically, let's just quote unquote, less Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, and Charlie Kirk, and more newspaper reading. So more brainwashing. Let's just call it what it is. So, you know, not educating yourself, not getting informed by actually hearing facts and truth and realism and honest hard-hitting journalism from a Steve Bannon, a Tucker Carlson, a Charlie Kirk, who worked their butts off to get facts straight, to get the truth out there, to work for the young generations, for the next generation, for the up-and-coming generations, to make sure that their America is left better than when we came into it and the generations before us came into it. We're trying to leave it, they're trying to leave it better for the next one. And you're telling me that Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, and Charlie Kirk are the problem? And that they need to read, they just need to read the newspaper. Rah, rah, rah. Read the newspaper? What world are you living in? Number one, newspapers are a dying breed. I, am I for one, am like old school. I like to hold that newspaper, whip that thing open and read that sucker. Like, you know, like old school. Nothing wrong with that. Tucker Carlson wrote a newspaper. I'd happily do that. And Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk. These are like three of the top tier guys in the Republican circle and conservative circles right now they're actually speaking truth and they're not afraid to do it they're going to war for what they need to go to war for unlike the republican party or the rnc that's what ron uh, that's what uh, harmy Dillon was wanting to fix and change so he said in number five here he said the exuberance from these consultants when rana was elected chair was deafening let me repeat that the exuberance from these consultants when rana was re-elected she was re-elected chair was deafening they knew what this means. The flow of money will only continue. Well, amen to that, brother. That's what it's all about at the end for these people. They only care about the almighty dollar. They don't care about you, the peop the, the, the voter. Oh, they, what do they know? They're just voters. Meh. Well, what what 
the question you should be asking yourself is <laughs> wake up and smell the roses because it's about boobs about to get real. It's about to get real. So number six, he said, um, I am truly shocked at how disconnected the RNC country club is from the people they beg for donations from. Well, amen to that. Yeah, they beg and plead for donations from these people, and yet they don't want anything to do with them. They don't want to hear their opinions. They don't want to get their phone calls or their quote-unquote emails that bother them. They just want your money, and then you shut up. Shut up and obey. Do what I tell you to do. Do what I say, not what I do. Just shut up, sit there, and obey. Do nothing like what no i'm sorry i'm giving you money i have every right to say you know what no you need to spend it like this you need to do this you need to do this because what you're doing ain't working it's not working you're failing election cycle after election cycle and it's only getting worse it's not getting any better how do you elect a guy that's got i mean i don't like to make fun of people that have medical conditions and that have gone through it and you know he's gone through it but he's had a stroke, the poor guy, and he needs to take some time off and recover. And you're going to have him win a Senate seat. Like what? I just can't fathom it. Can't wrap my head around it. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yet it's happening and it's happening all over the country. It's happened in Pennsylvania. It's happened with the president of the United States uh, getting a job to, to run the country when he's not fit for it. Let's see his medical history. Let's see his medical checkups. Let's see his records. Prove to me that he's capable. Prove to me that he's got cognitive functioning enough to be the president of the United States. Prove it. He's to an age where he should be able to prove it. Come on, let's go. Get on it. Whip out that document. Show me that medical history. That's, that's where we're at. And so, you know, they beg for donations. And then he goes on to say, there is a club of consultants who make insane money off your donations and are no, not, now, I'm sorry, they're now proud of how they can defy the 98% of the party who wanted to see change. I would absolutely agree with that number. I think it probably is 98% of the party that wants to see change at the top. Who wants to see continual mediocrity? Who wants to see somebody lead the RNC who has done nothing for the RNC as far as furthering and advancing it with W's, wins? Wins mean something. Are you going to reward a coach in athletics who keeps losing? No, you're going to fire him. Why? Because he needs to get fired. There needs to be change. So he said number seven here. He said the contempt is real. The attitude is repeatedly expressed as the volunteers who are upset don't understand how things work around here. Well, yeah, because they're left out of the loop because you just need to be a volunteer. You just need to do your volunteering and then you need to shut up and obey. That's where we're at. And it's not okay. It is not okay. And he finished up, and this is the perfect way to end this right here, right now. He finished it up by saying, this is unsustainable. Absolutely. It's going to blow up in their face. It's going to just be the ugliest scene ever. It's going to be disgusting and despicable. It already is. So what can we do to rectify this problem? How can we address it? How can we fix it? How can we make this country, this party, the Republican National Committee, the party, a stronger, more unified party where we're aligning in our vision toward for, for and toward the future. It's really not rocket science here that we need a better future, a better path forward because the path we're on is murky at best and it's as clear as mud 
and it ain't getting us to the promised land. It's just not going to cut the cheese. We're stuck in the wilderness and there ain't no nothing out in the wilderness today. So we need to figure out how we can get out of the wilderness, get in the meat, the meat and potatoes of the thing and figure out how we can become a more unified, better party that picks up W's at the local, which would be city, county, state, and federal levels. Because right now, in every one of those facets, we're getting hammered, absolutely crushed. And it's disgusting. Because how can you do that? How can you have that happen when you have the highest unemployment, or I'm sorry, highest inflation rates in like over 40 years? When you're paying seven, eight, nine bucks for a pack of 12 eggs, when gas is headed over, now they're talking about it hitting four or five bucks again in the spring. And it's well over three in much of the country right now. It's on the up and up. And it ain't pretty because people aren't earning more. They're spending more at the grocery store. They're spending more at the pump. They're spending more every which way, but they're not making any more. So how can we fix this? Let's start by getting some better leadership at the top because what we've got now, three words, this is unsustainable. This is unsustainable. That is the most powerful phrase in that entire list of items that I read right there. And so we need to address this issue and we need to do it and we need to do it right now. And we need to get off our butts and make something happen because this country can be great again. It can be. All it will take is some hardworking people that want to see it grow and become and flourish like it once has done in the past and can do again moving forward. So let's move it forward and let's take our nation back. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be able to listen to each and every episode seamlessly and without the interruption of ads and sponsorships? Well, we've got some great news for you today. We've listened and are now doing something about it for you. Say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and many more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Politics Plus under the No Truth Politics category. Follow No Truth and myself, Mr. Misunderstood, on all major social media platforms by going to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once on the website, click on social media. Become a Crusader Insider for free today by going to our website, links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, fill out your full name and email address in the proper fields at the bottom of the page and hit submit. And you'll officially be a Crusader Insider today, gaining you access to insider information, all the latest and greatest new things happening within our podcast franchise and companies, all the updates, promotions, offers, and much, much more. So during the height of the pandemic, there was this big topic of discussion about the origins of COVID coming from a lab or a bat or whatever the case may be, more looking likely that it was from a lab manufactured by humans. 
so on and so forth, more evidence proving it more and more each and every day. With that being said, gain of function research was top of mind. Well, Mr. James O'Keefe of Project Veritas catches a Pfizer employee and basically gets him to admit on live camera, hidden camera, that gain-of-function research is in fact taking place in the U.S. and that they're trying to mutate COVID variants. So I don't know about you, but if it didn't work in China when they did that and it created a pandemic that pretty much destroyed two years of anybody's life and innocent people died and I mean, the list goes on and on. So why would you want to do that here? But for money, profit, what does it gain you? Some food for thought, that's for sure. Rolling right along. How about this sad, I mean, absolutely sad and tragic tale of what happened to this young man, uh, Tyree Nichols here, in regards to this Memphis, the five police officers. And I've seen parts of this footage. Now, again, you got to take everything with a grain of salt until all the facts come out. Again, I will repeat you have to take everything you see with a grain of salt until all the facts come out. So basically, all I'm about to do is assume or jump to conclusions or speculate or give my opinion on what is being seen thus far. And it can't really be taken too seriously until all the facts come out. So let's take a beat. Let's analyze what we can, what's already come out. But let's not jump to conclusions so fast and so quickly and easily that we lose sight of the fact that we need all the facts to come out first. So with that being said, with that caveat being fulfilled, let's dive into the story. So you got Tyree Nichols at the hands of five black Memphis police officers. And I put here in parentheses could it be by a byproduct of not having enough police officers and because of this and how demonized they've become as an institution hate cops you hear it all the time you you got nicknames for them they're singing songs about how you got to hate cops and all this just nonsense and so not many people want to become police officers because it's so demonized they're like i ain't getting involved in that they don't pay that good i don't need all that i don't need to stress and so The question I have, and that's being proven more and more every day, is, is this leading to lowering the hiring practices and standards at these police departments? Is the equity agenda leading to lower the lowering of hiring practices and standards too? Well, let's take a look. The answer to the first question is yes, they are lowering the standards to get a job working in any police department. And it's been proven with two out of the five officers in the Memphis case. They lowered the standard of having to get, or get a, uh, having to have or get an associate's degree. They did away with that. They did away with a bunch of things. You can't lower the bar and expect the results to get heightened. Let me repeat that. You can't lower the bar and expect the results to get heightened. Where the bar is, people are going to do the minimum amount that they can to get over it. People will do the minimum amount they can to get over wherever the bar is set. So if you lower it, they're just going to do enough to get by. That, my dear, 
is what you call human nature. It's called sin nature. It's called laziness. It's called whatever you want to call it. Whatever label you want to slap on it. That's just the reality of what the truth is. And so you have to take a look in the mirror and understand, why are we going through this again? Why are we making these mistakes? Why are we lowering the bar for hiring practices and hiring standards within police departments when we should be hiring, heightening them, not lowering them? We should be heightening the standards for what it would be to become a police officer. We should be rewarding and propping up police officers for the work that they do in the communities that they serve because it's not easy work. Going to job, going to work every day, clocking in, knowing that today could be your last day every single time you go in there. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Just saying. So with that being said, why are we rioting and creating chaos in the ma- in the mass media saying, hey, it's white supremacy that's causing this. We need to riot in the streets and burn it all down and defund the police and whatever other movements they want to go about. And you got Antifa with their foot in the door, their foot on the pulse of everything going on because they're at the forefront of it. They're the one organizing the rioting and the looting and the destruction of property like they did in 2020 with George Floyd and what happened in that situation and how they made it escalate so rapidly. So why are we doing the same song and dance and we know where it's going to lead. We know what road it heads down. So why are we going through this again as if to say we didn't learn anything from it the first time? Let's take our foot off the gas or I'm sorry, let's put our foot on the brake. Let's take a beat and let's really sit down and analyze what are we doing and why are we doing it this way? We need to make changes. We need to grow. We need to be flourishing and not hating each other and beating each other down and stealing from each other and burning each other's businesses to the ground. It's not productive. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. And it sure as heck won't get you anywhere in the kingdom of God for eternity. Because what you do here on earth matters in eternity. So do a work for the Lord while here on earth and you'll be doing wonderful things for all of eternity. What it boils down to is why loot? Why destroy property? Why rob people? Why hurt businesses and other people in the name of what? Racism? When racism has nothing to do with what transpired in the Memphis case with this poor guy, Tyree Nichols? It was five African-American police officers, and it was an African-American guy. So race doesn't have a factor into this situation. So why are we being race-baited into believing that it's somehow white supremacy that's causing all of this? And we need to riot in the streets. We need to burn it all down. And we need to organize riots in all the major cities in the country. For what? This is the silliness of it all. We need to take a step back and realize this isn't worth it. We've been through this song and dance in 2020. It didn't end well then. What makes you think it's going to end well any better now? It's not going to end any better now. It's going to end worse. So let's just take take a step back and analyze the situation and figure out, that you know what, this isn't worth it. It's not going to go anywhere. We're not going to make impact doing this. We're going to make impact by being a part of of the solution, by making a difference in society, by actually having two parents in a home, raising children in a godly fashion. I don't know, maybe that might change up the fabric of what goes on politically and uh, morally and ethically in society today, especially in the realm of politics. Let's figure this out and let's stop fighting each other 
over the silliness of this because this is a serious issue. This guy lost his life over a situation of five officers doing things that by the looks of the tape that I've seen and the bits and pieces that I've seen, it doesn't look pretty what they're doing to this guy. And my question is always, why does it take five officers to take one guy down when it should take one officer to take five guy, uh, one officer to take one guy down? And I get there's there's factors at play. I understand that. I'm not trying to bash the police officers in any way. I understand their job's tough, and I'm not going to understand fully what they go through and deal with until I'm in there. I get it. All I'm saying is is that you ought to be able to take somebody down as an individual cop. It shouldn't take more than one person. But I get that again because of the climate we're in. You're so afraid to 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 touch a guy the wrong way because of lawsuits or j- threats of jail time, no longer having qualified immun- immunity and all these other things. I get that. But the problem remains, how do we address this, fix it and become a better people and society and less racist and playing less identity politics because it's killing us as a nation. It's killing individuals a lot. Look at the fentanyl epidemic and what's streaming across the border at rapid rates. Look who it negatively impacts the most, the minority community. Go look at the data. It impacts the minority community the most, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. It's always going to affect the minority communities the most. Not to say that it doesn't affect white folks, because it does, but it's not typically as severe. So how can we address this issue for the betterment Because so this doesn't keep happening? Well, I think it starts with bringing God back into the country. I don't even think I know. And so let's start there. Let's start by bringing God back. And so, you know, what's going on with this other story in the news? The kind of like, you see that you you hear the name David DePappy and Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, and this saga of where was it some kind of sexual encounter they were going through and experiencing? Did they know each other, this, that, and the other? And based on the video evidence that I've seen, I wouldn't be able to tell you, or I'd probably be able to tell you very definitively that it doesn't look like they know each other. It looks like Paul Pelosi's being held hostage against his will. But again, we don't have all the facts. There's no audio. We have no idea what really is going on in there, but it doesn't look pretty, I'll tell you that. So how do we rectify it? First, we realize that we don't have all the facts, that we don't have audio coverage of what actually is going on in that house with David DePappy and Paul Pelosi. But we also have to realize that we, A, don't have all the video evidence. We don't have the audio. We have the video now. We're looking at it. We have So we have that. We got part A. Part B is we don't have the audio to it, and we probably won't ever get that. So we still are jumping to some conclusions, but it does look more conclusive as to what really is going on and it definitely debunks a lot of conspiracy theories about oh well they're just having some kind of sexual relationship and encounter and it was his secret love affair and all this nonsense well you could throw all that out it just doesn't look like that to me i'm sorry it's just not i'm not vibing with that it looked like he was a hostage it looked like he didn't want to be there he looked uncomfortable and then when the cop came in and made a sudden move. The guy hit him over the head with a hammer. He's laying there motionless on the ground. Uh, Paul Pelosi, he starts snoring because apparently when you get knocked out cold, you could just start snoring, which, I mean, that's mind-blowing to me. I've never heard of that before, but I guess it's a common thing. And so you have all these factors at play and what would make you think that they're having some kind of love relationship? 
Like who who loves somebody and then beats them over the head with a hammer? Like I mean, the guy should be dead. I mean, he's lucky to be alive. It's just an absolute tragedy to get struck in the head like that with a hammer. I mean, he was knocked out cold. So I, I'm just not. I don't know. I, I mean, something's not right about the whole thing. I get that, but as to what that is, well, we're only left to speculate. We don't know because. We don't have the audio. We don't know if these guys were besties or what. But what we do know is what we can see. And we can see that he looks like he was held hostage based on the way that his arms were, his body language. He was trying to fight for the hammer and so on and so forth. And then when the hammer got loose and the other guy had it, he was trying to duck and run. He was trying to get out of there, get out of Dodge before the going got tough. And so all these factors are at play. And this is living proof. You can't just quickly jump to conclusions about, oh, it's just a sexual encounter or it was a bunch of weird stuff that people on the right, people on the left, whoever, they're just coming up with this weird stuff about the whole situation. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why don't we wait, let the facts come out first, and then we'll have a real assessment as to what actually transpired at that residence. And I honestly am a firm believer that if he, that dude was holding Paul Pelosi, in my opinion, was getting held hostage until the guy got what he wanted, which was Nancy Pelosi to come home so that he could put a hurting on her. But if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, she was out of town doing some event or in DC or whatever the case may be. So basically the life lesson here out of this whole situation with David DePappy and Paul Pelosi is you're not really, it doesn't suit you best to be jumping to conclusions about what goes on and just, you know, take a beat, relax and just enjoy life and make the most of it and just try and make the difference that you can in life so that you don't have the people that you're around or maybe you have kids they don't turn out like crazy and whacked out we can save the next generation it is still very possible there is hope let's not forget that unfortunately leading into the next story is definitely not hope so i'm just going to read this one a six-year-old shoots his teacher. Let me, let me. I can't wrap my head around how a six-year-old even knows what a gun is, because I didn't at six, much less how to get his hands on one, much less the thing probably weighed more than he did. He was six, or he is six. You don't weigh but, what, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 pounds soaking wet? I mean, he probably weighed more than that. I don't know what the average first grader weighs. I'm sure it's probably, what, 60, 70 pounds? I have no idea. It's light. And the gun was probably a big one. It was probably some kind of high-powered weapon. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it. I have no idea. I'm just going based on what I've heard and what I've read and what I've seen. And you do. You feel for that woman. So let's just continue on here. It said this is a timeline of the events the day of the shooting. So here in this article, it says at around 11.15 to 11.30 a.m., Zwerner went to a school administrator and told the child had threatened to beat up another child that day. The administration did not take action or remove the student from the classroom, according to Toscano. At 12.30 p.m., a teacher told a school administrator she, she searched the six-year-old's backpack for a gun and told the administration that she believed the boy put the gun in his pocket before going outside for recess. The administrator downplayed the report and responded that the boy has little pockets, according to Toscano. Shortly after 1 p.m., a third teacher told administrators that another student who was scared and crying confessed that the shooter showed him a gun 
at recess and threatened to shoot him if he told anyone about it. A fourth employee, so this is a fourth instance of how this should have been put to bed before it ever got to where the woman was shot. A fourth employee asked the administrator for permission to search the boy, but was denied and was told to wait the situation out because the school day was almost over, according to Texaco. The reality is, in this whole story, is how does a six-year-old, A, get his hands on a gun, B, knows, how does he even know what a gun is? How does he get his hands on a gun? How does he get the gun past everybody and their mother to get on campus to be able to then get it locked, loaded, whatever else, to get the gun shot and to hurt the innocent teacher who apparently had said that there's four instances of when the schools should have stepped in to prevent this from even happening in the first place. So she's suing. She's filing a lawsuit and good for her. She ought to, because it's ridiculous that it takes four attempts and they still don't do anything until the worst happens. Unacceptable is an understatement of the century. And for the six-year-old, you just have to ask yourself, what would possess somebody at that young of age you have to be really living in an extremely toxic environment to be that young and to think that that behavior is okay. That's like mind-blowing to me of how you could ever think that that would be okay, especially at six, six years old, your first grade. Like what is going on in this world? It's unbelievable. And it ought to be something that we look at and figure out how we can become better and how we can change as a society to step up. And I'm telling you right now, taking guns away ain't going to solve a problem like this. It starts in the home. You got to solve it with having two parents in the home, fearing and serving the Lord and walking by faith and not by sight and raising up the child in the ways in which it should go so that when later on in life, it would not depart from those ways. That's the basic truth right there. You have to raise these children, our children, our future in a right way, in a right manner. Like I would really want, I really, really hope that the way that this six-year-old has been raised comes to light because I don't want to speculate. I don't want to say bad things. I just want to know what this child is, what, what the child's environment must have been like for them, this child to be possessed enough to do a heinous crime and to commit a heinous crime like this and to think in the back of it of the child's mind that it'd be okay to do it because clearly it's not okay so why on earth would this child think at, at six years old that number one getting your hands on a gun how do you know what a gun is at six years old and to get a gun and to then shoot it at a teacher because you, obviously you're probably not getting what you want you're getting told something you don't like who knows what the case may be? And that's just the dynamic of the world in which we live today. You don't like somebody? Well, shoot them. That's, it's so sad that that's what it's come to because it's not right. It's wrong. It's evil. And it's wicked. And let's call a spade a spade. And it's got nothing to do with the weapon. It's got everything to do with the behavior of the individual behind the weapon. I'll say it again. It's got nothing to do with the weapon itself. It's got everything to do with the in, uh, with the individual behind the weapon and their mindset and why they have the mindset that they have. That's at the crux and the heart of the issue here. And it is just heart-wrenching 
and just utterly and completely and totally a tragedy and sad. Not only for the teacher affected by a bullet being stuck and lodged in her still to this day, and maybe for the rest of her life, but also for the child that have an upbringing in which they did that would cause them to think that this behavior is okay, even in the slightest bit. I really hope that it comes out, that it comes to light why this child would ever think on earth that this behavior would be okay. How were they raised? I really want that known. How were they raised? What was the environment of the home like? Was it one parent? Was it two parents? Was it drug related? Was What was it? I just want to know because I don't want to speculate. I just want to know the facts. So let's pray the facts come out because I'm really fascinated to know what would possess somebody at six years old to take part in such a heinous, sadistic crime. Like, where do you put the child? I heard somebody say this. Where do you put the child at six years old? You can't put him in with the juvies who are like 13, 12. You can't put him in with them. You can't put him in with the adults. So where does he go? It's just crazy. It's mine. It's just so tragic. You're, you're at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to say to this. It's just a heinous crime that should be completely and utterly preventable. Completely and utterly preventable. And so, I mean, I kind of understand it because I was talking to somebody about this the other day that I could understand how this would be missed four times because it's like, there's six. There's no way faculty at a school is going to believe that a six-year-old's got a gun or that a six-year-old's threatening to use a gun in a violent way. They're probably just, ah, whatever, you know, they're just talking. You know, they're kids, let kids be kids. So, I mean, I can kind of understand it from that perspective, but still, you should have taken it more seriously. But, I mean, I get it. You just don't think a six-year-old's going to have, number one, to be able to get a gun, to know what a gun is, and then to be able to use it, to bring it to be able to use it. It's just utter insanity, mind-blowing, no pun intended, just absolutely horrific tragedy to its utter core and completely and totally and utterly avoidable. To say the least, to say the least. You know, I must say that I'm getting real tired of quote unquote projections of what races might look like in 2024, who might lose seats, who might gain seats. Let's just stop the charade and let's do what we can to make our party parties, two party system as good as it can be for the betterment of the nation. And let's stop with the charade of, well, so and so party is going to lose this many seats. These people are vulnerable. You know how many times I've seen thus and such persons vulnerable and they win on a landslide or vice versa? Let's just stop the madness and let's just stop the charade of, well, let's just look at the numbers. Let's just crunch the numbers. Let's just do this. Let's do that. Who's honestly going to give an honest report in a survey anymore these days? I just don't see it. I just don't. So I'll believe it when I see it. I'll be like, Missouri, show me first. Then I'll believe it. Be like the show me state. You know, because I'm just tired of, well, you know, it's like uh, Tucker Carlson said after the midterm elections, he owned his mistakes of predicting that it would be a Republican landslide kind of thing going on. And he just completely was dead wrong. And he humbled himself and he admitted how wrong he was. And he said, I think I'm going to take a backseat to this, you know, this predicting business when it comes to politics and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I think everybody needs to do it. 
I think these surveys need to go away. And I think people just need to figure out for themselves who they're going to vote for and get educated and let let the chips fall where they may and just stop trying to be God and predict what you don't have any control over predicting. You don't know what's going on. So let's just stop with these per, these polls and these predictions. Oh, so-and-so, two senators are more inclined to lose in the 2024 midterm elections. Or I'm sorry, the 2024 general election. They're more than likely to lose their seats. I'm like, that's what we heard in the midterm election this past cycle. And we still got our butts handed to us on a silver platter with gold trim. So, you know, I'm not buying it. And I think that we can do better than these polls. And I think, honestly, I just don't think people are honest when they're taking these surveys. I think they're just fudging these surveys. And that's just my my two cents worth on the matter. So we're going to dive right into wrapping it up with the send off and the um, story of hope for the week. So we're just going to wrap this thing up and we're going to get right into the story of hope for the week. And it is again about another, well, actually, no, not again, but it is about an animal shelter reuniting dog with owner who abandoned her due to homelessness. An incredible update from Chattanooga. Let's get right into it. I'm going to start reading it here. A Tennessee animal shelter says it has successfully reunited a homeless woman with her dog after the woman was forced to abandon the animal because she could no longer afford to take care of it. The McCarney Animal Center posted on Facebook Wednesday about an incredible update when a dog named Lilo was reunited with an owner who had previously abandoned the pet along with a heartfelt note apologizing for no longer being able to take care of the animal due to financial hardship and homelessness. While we can't share a lot of the details with you yet, we are actively working with the family to set them up with a safe haven shelter and resources to stay together and tackle homelessness, the Post said, along with a photo of a woman hugging Lilo. The update follows a previous Facebook post when the Animal Center said that Lilo was found by a good Samaritan walking around with her leash still attached. We are so sorry that you had to make the decision to leave her behind, the shelter said to the unknown owner in the Facebook post. We know many folks are struggling to care for their pets right now. We know how hard it might must be to give up an animal you so clearly loved because you can't provide the care she needs. We understand. The Facebook post included a note that had been left by the owner explaining why she could no longer take care of her pet dog. My name is Lilo, the note said. Please love me. My mom can't keep me and is homeless with two kids. She tried her best, but she can't get help. I cost too much for her. She really loves me, and I'm a great dog and love to be loved on. Please don't abuse me. In the Facebook post, the Chattanooga shelter assured the owner that Lilo is safe and that they will take the very best care of her. But if you are reading this, we hope you will come forward to reclaim her, the post said. We will help you with whatever you need to care for her to the best of our ability. Lilo definitely misses you and we would like nothing more than to see her go back to the family she loves. Either way, please know that we understand we will not judge and we are here to help in any way we can. In a statement to Fox News Digital, a shelter representative said that it's important for the public to avoid stigmatizing the homeless population. I just want people to know and understand that homelessness comes with lots of stigma and assumptions. It can happen to anyone, McCarney Animal Center Director of Advancement. Lauren D. Mann said, Folks should be kind to everyone they meet, and if they are struggling with caring for their pets, 
to reach out to their local animal shelter. Shelters across the country have resources, pantries, etc., and are happy to help people. What a phenomenal story of hope. You know, they're willing to help the woman out, retain the dog that she loved because she didn't want to give it up in the first place, but understood the, necess- the, ne- the need to do so because her family, her two kids, come first. It's just a powerful display of love. And it's what we need a little bit more of. We need a little bit more of kindness. We need a little bit more of hope and understanding that, you know what? Everybody goes through some dark times. Everybody goes through highs and lows and ups and downs. And that doesn't mean we beat them over the head with a two by four. It doesn't mean we go ahead and and bash them and be judgmental towards them and their lifestyle and the way they do things. Yeah. Do we all make mistakes? Sure. Do we make poor choices that lead us to the, the, the end result of where we're at? Sure. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes things happen that are out of our control. But at any rate, she owned her, her shortcomings and her weaknesses and her frailties. And she wanted to be a better person and make sure that her dog was in a loving home that wasn't abusive or, and was conducive to having that animal thrive. And reunite is the, is the name of the game when it comes to that shelter. They wanted to reunite the pet with the owner. And I just think that's an incredible picture of God's love because he wants us to be reunited with him. And that's why he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could have everlasting life and eternity with him. And it's a beautiful picture. And I think there's hope when it comes to the realm of uh, politics. I think there's hope for people that are running for office. I think grassroots efforts are really starting to pick up steam. And I think we can really move the ball forward if we get the right leadership in place and people that want to step up and do the right thing and lead this party into the future so that we're leaving future generations with something to hang their hat on, something to be proud of, something to know that there, there's hope. There's something to be said about saying, hey, you know what? It's not good right now. Things are tough, but it can get better. We just got to keep plugging away and keep plowing forward and doing, what, and doing what we need to do to make this nation great again. And we can get there. And just to see, you know, a story of a dog and a lady who had to give the dog up and then get reunited because the shelter saw in their heart they wanted to take care of her, not just stigmatize the fact that she was homeless and beat her over the head for, oh, well, how dare you give up your animal? You should have kept your animal, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to get anywhere. Nobody needs to hear that. She's already beating herself up over it. She doesn't need somebody else to do it for her. She's doing it more herself than anyone else could ever do it. And it's just a great picture of us unifying as a nation, of us unifying to God of God wanting us to unify with him and reconcile. That's that's why you read a story like that and you just there's hope. There's hope in the world and it leaves you with a good sense of a good sense of belonging, feeling good about where we're headed because news can be very depressing, especially when you talk about politics, when you talk about current events, you talk about the latest and great latest and breaking news. It, it can be very depressing and it's unfortunate. But there are things good going on in this country. I'll say it again. There are great and incredible things going on in this nation. And we need to take a step back, analyze those good things that are going on, and just hang our hat on those and really focus in on those. Because those are the memories that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. 
and we're going to want to pass on some good things on to the next generation. So let's start with this nation. Let's pass this nation on to the next generation better than when we came into it. We can do it. And it starts with getting people elected that know what's at stake because the fabric of this nation is at stake, politically speaking. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. No Truth Politics is created, recorded, edited, and produced by our production company, Pearly Gates USA, which is owned and operated by our parent company, The Big Time USA. Make sure that you follow the podcast and turn notifications on by hitting the icon so that you get alerted about every new episode as soon as it's released. Do you hate listening to ads and sponsorships? Well, say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, please go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on the link No Truth Politics Plus under the No Truth Politics category. To make a one-time financial gift, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on support. With your financial support, you make all of this possible. So thank you. Well, the Band-Aid has officially been ripped off. So it's time to ask yourself one final question. Has the truth set you free so that you can be free indeed? For myself, Mr. Misunderstood, and the rest of our team here at Pearly Gates USA and the Big Time USA, thank you so much for your loyal listening, and we look forward to you listening again next episode. <laughs>